Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. And I want to use one verse of scripture for what I am wanting to talk about. As you know, we are... We are entering in, or we are already into um, the the holiday season. It just seems like that when we get into October, and we see, I mean, you know, we don't even, we don't even wait for. Um, you know, we, I, I heard somebody say one time, you know, we're now calling it, I guess, like you know, Hollow Thanksmas or something like that, you know, because. I mean, at the beginning, usually around the end of September, uh, you, you 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 walk down the hallways, you walk down the aisles of Walmart, and you got the Halloween stuff right here, and you got you know, some Thanksgiving fall decor here, and then then you know a couple of rows over, you've got the you've got the the Christmas stuff already out, and and, and, and what have you. But we are in, but so I say all that to say we are in the holiday season, yeah, and uh, and. And honestly, we are in one of my favorite times of the year, and that is Thanksgiving. It is the time that it is the time designated that we really uh, stop to give thanks for all that we have on a Thursday before we trample ever over everybody on a Friday to get those Black Friday deals. Hey, come on, somebody say you read it. I, and uh, you know we get that, and we need we need to get that seventy-five inch TV for a hundred, you know, for hundred ninety-nine bucks. And, uh, and come on, can the church can the church say amen? And, so, and uh, no, so I'm kidding there just for just for a moment. Yes, a bigger screen to watch Harvest Time. So, yeah, so if you uh, so if you know where we can find a seventy-five inch TV for one hundred ninety-nine dollars for Black Friday, please let me know. And uh, and so, uh, but. Uh, we are in the Thanksgiving season, and I want to talk to you tonight about giving thanks, about giving thanks. I was just talking to Pastor last night, and I said, you know, I said, what do you think? I said, uh, do you care if I preach my Thanksgiving message tonight? I said, because I don't want, I didn't want to trample over anything that maybe the Lord was dealing with him on and, and was wanting to do for Sunday. And he said, no, he said, you go ahead and you preach what the Lord has given you. And so I'm going to try to preach what I feel like the Lord has given me tonight. And I want to talk to you tonight about giving thanks. I want to talk to you tonight about giving thanks. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, one verse of scripture tonight. Let's look at verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Bible says, giving thanks... Always. What did Paul say there? Give thanks. Come on, everybody say that word with me. Always. Oh, come on. That was about, uh, some of y'all kind of having a little trouble with that. Well, let's say it one more time. Give thanks. Always. Amen. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when do we give thanks? Always. Happy. I mean, always. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> when do we? When do we give? When do we give thanks? Always. And for what do we give thanks for? Always. All things. Giving thanks always, and for all things, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us here tonight. And Father, I'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen and amen. You may be seated. There is a great blessing to us when we are thankful. As a matter of fact, I am a firm believer that some of the greatest blessings of God come to us when we are thankful, I believe that being thankful activates the continual blessings of God upon our lives 
When we simply are thankful to God and we give Him glory, we give Him honor, we give Him praise for the things that He has bestowed upon us. You know, but the issue is is sometimes people are just simply not thankful. As I was studying this, I realized that there's really four different types of people in our lives. There's really four types of people that we know. The first type of people are those people who constantly complain. Anybody know any of those people? Anybody sit beside any of those people? Don't raise your hand. Those that constantly complain, they can never see the good on anything. They can never, they, they can, I, I was dating a girl one time and I told her one time, I said, because she always, she always nagged and complained. And I told her when we were dating, I told her, I said, I said, sweetheart, I said, I can spend 23 hours of the day with you. I said, but you would complain about that one hour that I didn't spend with you. It reminds me, it reminds me about the husband and wife that had been married for a number of years. And while they were married, the wife, the, the, the wife was having was having some difficulty because her husband was always grouchy. Her husband was never in a good mood. He was always complaining about stuff. And nothing that she ever did pleased him. And he was always complaining. But she got up one morning and she said, you know what, I'm going to fix this today and, I, and, and I'm going to do something that makes him thankful, that pleases him. So when she woke up, she, she walked into the kitchen where he was already sitting reading the morning newspaper and, and she, said, she said, baby, I, I, she said, this morning I want to cook you anything that you want for breakfast, however that you want it. Whenever that you want it. So all you've got to do is just tell me what it is and I will fix it for you exactly like you want it. He said, are you serious? You will do that for me? And she said, absolutely, baby. I love you so much. That is exactly what I will do for you. And he said, okay, well, this is what, this is what I want. I want two pieces of toast. One of those pieces of toast, I, I, I want white toast, plain, nothing on it. The other piece of toast, I want it, uh, I want it wheat toast with lots and lots of butter on it. Then I want two eggs. One of those eggs I want fried over easy, and the other egg I want scrambled. She said, absolutely, baby, whatever that you want, that is what I'm going to do for you. And she began to cook that breakfast for her, for him, and set it in front of him, and all of a sudden he got to complain about the breakfast. And she said, well, what is it, baby? She said, I, I, she said, what are you so angry about? He goes, he looked at it and said, you scrambled the wrong egg. <laughs> Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that? That they can never see the good about, any, about anything in life. You could give them a million dollars and they complain that you didn't give them two million dollars. Come on, somebody say amen. But the second, people, the, the second group of people that I've realized... That we, that we dwell among is those who live a life of ingratitude. It's not, that it, it's not that they just complain, but they just really just don't know how to say thank you. They, you, you do something for them and they, just, they feel like that that really should just be bestowed upon them. You, that's the one that you hold the door open for as you're going into the supermarket or you're going into the place. And they just walk home by you and they don't say anything in the world. And it makes you it, 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 it makes something rise up inside of you. You just want to walk in there and just grab them by the shirt collar and drag them back out of the store and say, now you've opened up your own door. Come on. You ain't going to help me preach tonight. Amen. And, but some people are just just have a life of ingratitude. They're not they just they don't know how to say things. Then the third group of people are the people who who they they just they give thanks for the necessities of life. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, that some of those people annoy me around Thanksgiving time when I'm sitting around the table and you ask them to pray. And then they start praying and they say, you know, Lord, we thank you for we thank you for the eggs. And Lord, we thank you for the for the chicken that gave the eggs. And Lord, we thank you for the farmer that raised the chicken and everything. And then three hours later, you know, they're still thanking you, they're, they're still thanking everybody for the necessities of life. And and so we have those people that are thankful for the for the necessities of life. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you. I, I thank you that I have a good house that I'm living in. I thank you that I'm driving a good car. But then there is a fourth group of people who are thankful in all things and in every situation 
that they find their life in. And those are the people that really experience the bountiful blessings of God. Oh, come on. You see, because see, here's what I have found out. Satan wants to keep us in constant discouragement. The enemy wants us always to be constant discouraged. And when those seeds of discouragement are planted in our hearts, it's very difficult to find room for thanksgiving. It's very difficult to find ways to be able to praise God. It's very difficult to find things in order to be thankful for because you know what? You know, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know what I have faced over this past year. You don't know what I've had to go through in the last 18 months or 24 months. And if you've been through some of the same things that I've been through, then then you would have a reason to complain. Come on, I've had people tell me that before. I've had people look at me and say, well, you can be all happy and you can be all glad, but if you would experience the same things that I experienced, maybe you would be singing a different tune. But what Satan is trying to do is Satan is trying to sow those seeds of discouragement in your life because he knows that as soon as you begin to praise him, he knows that as soon as you begin to, to lift up your hands and you begin to honor and thank God for what he has bestowed upon you in your life, that he knows that that unlocks the bountiful blessings that God wants to pour into your life. You see, a heart of thanksgiving toward God is a result of a content heart. Mm. If your heart is content on God, then it's easy for you to be thankful. Because what did, what did Paul the Apostle write in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11? Philippians is that book of joy. Philippians is that book that he is writing in a prison cell. If anybody had a right to complain, it was the old Apostle Paul with everything that he has, had been through. But listen to what he writes to the Philippian believers in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. When he would say, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now... Last, your care for me has flourished again. What he is saying there is he's saying now you're able you're able to give to me. You're able uh, to, to, to help me in, in the necessities of life. He says, but you know, I understand that you always did care. He says, you just lacked opportunity. But he says, not that I speak in regard of need or want, but I have learned in whatsoever state that I find myself in, I am content in that. I'm getting ready to preach. Because a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise is not predicated on the external things that is going on around you. But it is determined by the thing that is in your heart and where your heart is at. And I want to tell you tonight, church, that when your heart is set on the things above and your heart is set on the things of God, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to throw at you. You can always lift up your hands and say, Lord, I thank you even in the midst of the prison. Amen. So here's the question. How long should you be thankful? Well, we read it in our scripture here. Paul would tell us always. Not sometimes. Not part of the time. Not when I feel like it. Not when everything's going great. But he says, always. Mm. You see, he would also write in another book in the New Testament. And he would, he would say, in all things, he said, he said, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, what? Concerning you. You see, why is it that we should always give thanks unto God? Here's the reason why. There, the reason is, is there's never a time that God is not blessing His people. Mm. There's never a time that God is not pouring out His blessings on you. Why? Because I've realized this. I understand that if my life is pleasing to the Lord, if I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, if the thing, 
understanding of the things of this world have lost their value to me, if I've repented of my sins and there is nothing that is blocking this heart towards God, I remember that he said, I'll cause the blessings of God to chase you and to overtake you. And so the fact of the matter is, is that God is always blessing his people. Now, it may not look like how we think it ought to look like, but the fact of the matter is, God is always blessing. And the fact that he is always blessing, and since the blessing hasn't stopped, the thanksgiving and the praise should never stop. You see, listen to what David would write in Psalm 69 and verse 19. He would say, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. That means daily he's pouring out his blessing on you. My goodness, I'm getting ready to preach. Daily he is blessing you. Daily he is thinking of ways to pour out his blessing on you. Daily he is causing the blessings of God to chase you and overtake you. If you woke up this morning on the right side of the grave, you're blessed. If you woke up and you didn't have to ask, if you didn't have to ask what you if it was the question was what you were gonna eat, as opposed to if you were going to eat, can I tell you you're blessed? If you've got shoes on your feet and clothes on your back, I want to tell you tonight, church, you are blessed. Why? Because the Bible says that daily he provides us with benefits. What I like on this is that at the end of that, the end of that psalm, there's a little word there that says, Selah, which means think about it. When's the last time you thought about the goodness of God? When's the last time Jeremiah would write in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 23, he says, they, speaking of the mercies of God, are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, how long should I be thankful? I should be thankful always. And we need to make sure that when we come to the Lord in prayer, that we are always thankful. Never start a prayer without being thankful to God. Philippians 4 and 8, Paul would write and he would say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And this is what the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this. He spoke to me and said, it's, He said, Jeremy, it's a wicked and foolish person who will come to me asking for more without first thanking me for what I've already done. Oh. You see, I want to tell you. See, what I've found out in my 20 years of following the Lord, what I have found out is that when I do not have an attitude of gratitude, that restricts what God is wanting to do for me in the future. When I can't be thankful for what God has done for me in the past, but the only thing that I'm looking for is my next miracle. And I'm looking, because some people only come to church because they're looking for their next meal ticket. Ah, I'm getting ready to preach. Some people only come to church when they, when they find themselves in a dire strait and they don't know what to do. So, well, let me see if I can just get to church and maybe I can just ring, ring the bell of heaven and maybe the cosmic bellhop will come down and will take care of what I need. And maybe I can rub the lamp a little bit and the genie will take it and, and, and the need is met. And we say, oh, well, thank you, Jesus. I'll see you on the flip side. And we don't do anything more about God until we, until we find ourselves in a need again. I want to tell you, there will always come a time. He said, that's a wicked and that's a foolish and that is a perverse way of thinking. If the only time that we ever come to God is to say I need this and I need that but we've refused to give him glory and honor for who he is and what he has already done. I want to tell
that'll block up the well that God wants to do for us. Mm. Oh my goodness. Let, let, let's, let's plow a little bit here. Because this is the other thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know what? Brother Jerry, he said, you know what, Jerry? He said, what you need, he says, when you come to me in prayer, he said, there needs to be, at times, there needs to be less groaning and more praising. Mm. Oh, you know those people. You know those people. They're like Eeyore the donkey on Winnie the Pooh. You know, they, have, they never have anything nice to say. You know, they're always cut, and they're the ones that always seem like that they've got a cloud. That's hanging around them. It, 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 you remember, you remember he called. You know, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, gloom and despair and agony on me. And we get up at times to testify. And instead of it being a testimony of the faithfulness of God, it turns into 20 or 30 minutes of just talking about gloom and despair and everything that has happened. I want to tell you, there comes a time that we need to move past the gloom and the despair and the agony and say, hey, listen, I may be going through something right now, but hey, I remember a time when I didn't have anything. And all of a sudden, Jehovah Tyra stopped by my house. And he provided for me. I remember one time when I was sick in my body, and the doctor said that I couldn't, that they couldn't do anything for me. But then Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer, stopped by where I was at. Can I tell you, it is time for the church of the living God to pick up their lip off of the ground and begin to lift up their hands and begin to praise him. It's time for the church to stop groaning and start praising him. Oh, glory to God. I want to tell you something. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, I should have worn my glasses tonight. I'm glad I can't see the clock, but that's okay. I want to tell you, God don't like people groaning. God don't like people always constantly complaining. Mm. Whoo. I, I've been in services before. I, I, I don't know if I'm meddling right now, but I just I gotta walk this off just for a minute. I know people that some I, I, I was in a service one time, and you know, you know, Pastor, sometimes you gotta worry about people that testify in church. Because uh, you don't know what you're gonna get when they start testifying. Right. I remember one time I was in I, I was I, I was in a revival service, and I was preaching a revival, and the pastor opened up the floor to testimony. There was this there was this there was this little lady that was sitting on the second row. And she stood up and she said, you know, I want to thank God. That was, that's how she started. She said, I want to thank God. But you know, there's an answer to prayer that I needed from God. And I needed it yesterday and God didn't give it to me. But I just want to thank God. And I want to look at her and say, would you just sit down and shut up and quit? Come on, I know that's not nice. I know we shouldn't use words like that. But come on. For years... We've raised a bunch of people in the church that all they do is just grumble and complain. But God said, you need to do less grumbling and more praising. Because maybe the reason why you haven't been brought out of the situation that you're in is because you have failed to acknowledge exactly who it is that I am. Whoo, that's good preaching, Brother Jeremy. Thank you, I appreciate that. Less groaning, more praising. So for what do we give thanks for? Well, look at the Word of God. Look closely at our text because He says, we do it for all things. For and in all things. Now let me just stop right here. And let me, let me correct something. Just so that nobody misunderstands what I'm saying. I'm not thankful for, for billions of babies. That have been aborted inside of the womb. I'm not thankful for godless societies. But, I, but my thankfulness does not rest in those things. My thankfulness rests in the fact that God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God is simply this. Regardless of what happens, God is in control. 
Oh, that's what I love about God. God is not sitting on his throne. And he is not looking down at humanity. And while he is looking down at humanity, see something happen and go, whoop. I didn't expect that to happen. He doesn't look over the balconies of heaven and see something go horribly wrong. And call the angels and say, hey, we've got to have an emergency board meeting. What are we going to do to fix this situation? As a matter of fact, in the beginning of time, when he created Adam and put him in the, in the garden, here's the funny thing. He put him in the garden knowing he was going to mess up. Because that was why in eternity past, before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God had already had it planned that He was going to send His Son Jesus into the world for your sins and for my sins to hang on a cross and to give His ransom for many. I give Him praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving in this house tonight. Not because of everything that goes on around me, but for the simple fact that I know that my God sits on the throne. Heaven is His throne. The earth is His footstool. And God is in control of all things Listen to what he says. That wasn't even in my notes. Verse 19. Verse 19 of Ephesians chapter, five, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. He would say, Apostle Paul would write, and he would say, this is what you need to do. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and, me and making melody in your heart to the Lord. See, Satan's design is to steal the song in your heart and for you to no longer have an attitude of gratitude. I can remember times growing up in my house. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for times in my house growing up when we didn't have two nickels to rub together. My mom would walk through the kitchen and would walk through the house and would lift her hands and say, He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Oh, or... I'll never forget it when her, when her, when my grandmother, her mom died. And it was such, it was such turmoil for us. And she would, through tears, I remember she went and she sat down at the piano. And she began to play because she is a marvelous piano player. And she would begin to play the piano when she got the news that her, that her mom, that her mom, my grandmother had passed away. And, and, and she all of a sudden started singing that song and she would begin to sing. Tears will never stain the streets of that city. No reef of death on my mansion door. Teardrops aren't welcome beyond the gates of glory. A heart will never break anymore. Now see, the children of Israel had a hard time with that. Because in the midst of their bondage, in the midst of their difficulty, Babylon would come to them and say, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they would step back and say, how in the world can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Can I tell you how you can sing? You'll never lose your song if you'll have an attitude of gratitude, if you'll have a heart of thanksgiving, if you'll have a heart of praise. See, the reason why a lot of us can't sing in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the hell that we're going through right now is because our affections are not a set on God sitting on His throne. But I want to tell you, do not lose your song. When during this season, I challenge you, get a song on your heart and sing praises to God. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, we've got to learn to be thankful for everything that we have. 
Thank God for the food. I tell my kids all the time, I don't want that. Well, first off, I don't care what you want. This is what we're putting on the table. You can eat it, or you can go to bed. Woo! Now, Brother Jeremy, you shouldn't do that. You should run and go to McDonald's and get them babies something. I, I, I was getting ready to step out of the anointing right there, but thank God for the food. Can I tell you? You can say, well, I just wish God would bless me. If you ate a meal today, you ate, you had what 46% of the world didn't get to have today. You're blessed. Oh, I'm just so tired. Man, I wish I wish I could get me some new shoes. I just wish I had me some new shoes. Can I tell you, if you have a pair of shoes on your feet right now, you have something that 75% of the rest of the world does not have. You're blessed. If you, oh, I just wish I could just make more money. You know, I thank God if I could just make more money. If you make more than $2 a day, you're making more than 80% of this world right now. You're blessed. Huh. And so we got to be thankful. You can even be thankful in the sorrowful times as well. Because Paul writes this letter, Ephesians, while he's in prison. Even in the midst of prison, Paul could find a reason to be thankful. He could find a reason to praise the Lord. Oh, pastor, I'm getting ready. Come on. But if you ain't singing our favorite song, I ain't praising him. Listen, worship ain't about you anyway. The moment worship becomes about you, it ceases to be worship to God and now you're the one sitting on the throne and that's idolatry. Oh, I didn't feel like preaching like this, but I, I'm beginning, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. Paul writes this letter in prison. And if he can find a reason to be thankful and to rejoice... We ought to be able to find a reason to be thankful. We can even be thankful for the times that God's hand had to correct us. Ooh. I don't ever know a time in my life when I got a spanking from mom and dad that I looked back at them and said, Thank you, can I have another one? But listen what the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. He says, Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What is he saying? He's saying, even when God had to correct me, I didn't enjoy it. I even cried and it was painful. But the fact is, it strengthened the relationship between me and Him. And for that, I am thankful. My goodness. Can I tell you, you can even be faithful when you're afflicted. Now, I looked up this word afflicted because I'm going to read you the scripture. Psalm 119 verse 67. The psalmist would write, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. I looked at this forwards and backwards, brought out all the Greek dictionaries and concordances and stuff like that. And to be afflicted simply means to be sick. 
So you can even find a reason to praise God even in the midst of your sickness. Mm. I'm reminded of the story. And I think I've shared it here before. The story that Mark Bishop tells of how his family got founded and, and really put out on center stage there. How he said... He said, you know, me and my brothers and my dad would all just sing in church and, and people would always commend us for being, you know, for sounding good, but we had no aspirations for anything. And she said, he said, my, he said, my grandmother got sick and couldn't come to church anymore. She was bedridden. And he said, she called, he called my dad in and said, I love to hear those boys sing. So if I pay for it, will you go and just have them just record a few of those songs that I like so that I can lay here in this bed and I can hear and I can hear them sing. So they did that and took, made one tape for her and gave it to her. Said as people would come and visit, he said as people would come and visit her, he would, before they, at some point before they left, she would look at him and say, hey, there's something I want you to listen to. There's something I want you to hear. Hear these boys sing. And she'd play that tape. She'd play that tape for them. And eventually one person heard it that had some connections in Nashville. And said, "Let me. can I make a copy of that tape and, and show it to somebody and, and let somebody else hear it? And she said, sure, of course you can. And so that got a chain reaction going and then finally in 1998 they were sitting in the Georgia Dome with Bill Gaither 40,000 people sitting in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia and they're standing up to they're, they're standing up to sing you know remember that song we need an old fashioned heaven sin Holy Ghost revival remember that song and they started singing that song and they went and they sat down he said my daddy looked at us and said and said boys do you know why we are here tonight and they looked at each other and said, no, we really don't have a clue. And he said, because your grandmother was too sick to go to church. And don't shout me down. But the fact of the matter is, in the midst of the difficulty, God did something to bring about praise. To bring about thanksgiving. And so if the trials of your life drove you to a greater dependency of God on God, you need to be thankful. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend Upon his word, Paul experienced that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, Paul would talk about being afflicted with a thorn in the flesh. Now, there can be a lot of debate, but you would be hard pressed to convince me otherwise that what he dealt with here was not some sort of physical element in his body, some sort of sickness. Whether if it was his eyes, some people say think that it was his eyes. That is, some Jewish historians would tell us that his eyes constantly would mat and run because of all the beatings that he would took, and he couldn't he, and he couldn't see. Some people would say it would be other uh, with other physical afflictions. Some people say it wasn't anything physical at all. It was all it was all spiritual. Whatever the case may whatever the case may be, like I said, I, afflicted means. To be afflicted. It's physical. And he says, he says, listen, I would rather boast. What does that word boast mean? That word boast means I would rather rejoice. In my, the King James would say, in my infirmities. Why? So that the glory of God would rest upon him. You see, oh my goodness, I want to tell you. Whew, I'm going to walk here just a little 
this for a minute. Part of Baptist preacher preached this one time. Sis, and it just a few months ago, and it blew me away. I may have already shared it here, but I'm going to share it again. He said, remember the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't burn. King Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar walks to the edge of the furnace, look over the balcony, he looks over, and he sees, well, wait a minute, if we not cast three men, behold, I see four men walking around in there, bound, not hurt, they're unbound, walking around, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. But here's the key. You notice, they didn't come out of that fire until the king commanded them to come out. Now, I don't know about you, but if I walk into that fire and all of a sudden the chains that held me bound fall off, I ain't going to be standing there in the fire. I'm going to get out of that fire with everything. But here's the key. You want to know the reason why? The reason why that they... The reason why that they were they stayed in the fire was because of who was in the fire with them. Oh my goodness. And anything him inside of the fire is always better than outside of the fire without him. And Paul the apostle is saying, Hey, listen, if it means that the glory of God can rest on me, then let me be afflicted. If it means that his anointing is gonna rest on me, then let me be afflicted. Because I'll rejoice in the fact that I've been afflicted if it means that the glory of God and the anointing of God is going to rest upon me. Because here's what it does. When we continue to praise God even in the midst of great trial, it confirms our testimony. Whew. And it shames the devil. Oh, I want to tell you right now, when you begin to praise God, when they see, when people see you going through the proverbial hell, and they see that your life has been torn all to shambles, but you still lift up your hands and say, God, I just want to thank you. God, I just want to praise you. God, now all of a sudden you've got people looking at you and going, how in the world? How in the world can that person go through hell and still lift up their hands and still praise God? How can they still have a song in their heart? How can they still have a praise on their lips? And the devil even stands back and says, mm, oh, how in the world can I do this? How in the world? What, what can I throw at them that can get them to recant the name of Jesus? Because we've already talked about it. That's Satan's ultimate goal for your life and for my life. It's not just so that you have a flat tire, but it's so that you'll recant the name of Jesus. But when he's thrown hell's kitchen sink at your life and you still lift up your hands and you say, oh, he slayed me, yet will I trust you? I thank him for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys because the God that's on the mountain is still the same God that's with me in the valley. I've come by to tell somebody in this house, even in the midst of your hell, you ought to get a thanksgiving praise on your lips. Can I tell you this? And then I'm going to move on. Even the angels of heaven don't understand your praise. You see, they worship. And their worship's good. But there's not an angel in heaven that knows what it's like to be healed. There's not an angel in heaven that knows what it's like to be redeemed. Right. They, there's not an angel in heaven that, know, that, that knows what it's like for Satan to throw the onslaught against them. That's the reason why there is coming a point, there is coming a day when we're all going to stand around the throne of God. My goodness, I feel this in my soul. We're all going to stand around the throne of God and all of a sudden, we're going to sing a song. The Bible says it's a new song that has never been written and it's never been sung. And we're going to sing a song around the throne of God. But when, when that chord hits and that note hits and all of a sudden we begin to sing in harmony, all of a sudden those angels that are standing around the, 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 the beasts that are standing around the throne are going to stand back 
and say, wait a minute. That's something that even we can't sing. And so let us fold our wings until they get done singing the songs of Zion. And then we will begin to sing glory and honor and praise to him who sits on the throne. For thou hast redeemed us out of every kindred tongue, tribe, and nation. My God, if you don't praise him for anything else in this house this, this evening, you ought to praise him that he has redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. Oh. We are thankful when we praise him. Ah, oh, my goodness. It brings greater maturity in our lives. You see, God's not necessarily as concerned with the external surroundings of your life as He is with what is being developed inside of you. Think about this about Paul the Apostle. If Paul the Apostle could rejoice in the Lord after being shipwrecked, then he gets to the Isle of Malta and he gets snake bit. If he can rejoice in the Lord after being beaten with 39 stripes on five different occasions. If the Apostle Paul can rejoice in the Lord after, he's, after he is stoned in the city of Lystra. After he is stoned in the city of Lystra and drug out of the city and left to die. If he can still rejoice in the Lord after he is betrayed even by those in the church. If he can still rejoice in the Lord even when he is in prison. Then surely we can rejoice in the Lord when we have a bad day. Can I tell you something? Can I just tell you? I was, trying, I, I, I was wanting to have one of those moments today. And I about let something today, something, I'm just going to say it like this, something stupid about ruin my day. You all know that I do all this stuffing, delivering groceries and what have you. And I, I love it and I, I appreciate it. And so, I go to Kroger and I'm telling you, Kroger knows me on a first name basis by now. Right, Sister Jessica? I mean, they know me. And so, and there's a certain parking spot that I usually like to park in. And it's right when you pull into the driveway, you go past the, you go past the gas station, the, the service station there, and right at the end, on the corner of the building, right before you start that line to go into to, for, the, for the pharmacy and stuff like that, right there, okay, that end parking spot right by the curb. And there's always... It never fails just about 75% of the time that I come out of Kroger and if I'm able to park right there, some knucklehead thinks that there's a parking spot to the left of my vehicle that is striped down and you're not supposed to park there. And three times today, Pastor, I go into Kroger and I come out and not only, not only do they park there, but they want to see how close they can get to my vehicle while I'm actually hitting it. And about the third time I'm walking out of there and I'm going, these people I wasn't cussing. No, 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 I'm just you know. Don't they know that you're not supposed to park there? Even, even one of the guys had to help me with one of my orders because I had so much stuff. I had two buggies for a park. I looked at him and I said, Who are these people that keep parking right there? And I had to check myself 
Because I was going to let something as silly as a parking spot ruin my entire day. Go home, yell at the kids, everything like that. And not be thankful. And I say that is because I've never been beaten. Right. I've never been shipwrecked. Nobody's ever picked up rocks and threw them at me and tried to take me outside the city of Stanton and leave me for dead. And I was going to let a parking spot ruin my attitude of gratitude for God today. So if Paul can do it, you can do it. Because here's the thing. And I'm getting ready to bring it to a close. Thankfulness brings the glory of God. God will never be more real to us than when we are thanking Him. We know that when we thank Him and praise Him, that, that is when He comes into the midst of what we have going on. Even if it's not what we expected. Because here's the thing. Oh my goodness, this is good. I don't live by my expectations or even what I feel. I live by His promise. So even if my expectation is not met, to trust and be thankful for the fact that God has something better He is wanting to do. Mm, that was a good place to say amen right there. Amen. So how do I give thanks? We give thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ. We are thankful because of who He is. Well, how in the world can I be thankful? Haven't you seen what's going on in the country right now? It seems like that God is not ruling in our country. That's okay. Because where it seems like that He doesn't rule, He just overrules. There you go. Ah, you missed a good place to say amen right there. Come on, I know, I'm, I, I, I know it's Wednesday night, but come on. Where it seems like that He doesn't rule, He just overrules. But here's the thing that I want to tell you right now. So let me give you this warning. Unthankfulness is a sinful condition. If you are not thankful, then that is a sin. And it's even a characteristic of the last days. Because Paul would write when he would say that in the last days perilous times would come. It is because he said one of the reasons that he gave was people will be unthankful. Yeah. And I believe that we are seeing that in our land today. We are seeing that in our world today. But can I tell you tonight, church, with the church, it ought not to be so. We ought to be people of thanksgiving. Yeah. Not just during a certain time of the season. See, I think we ought to preach on the resurrection more, except, except just one day out of the year on Easter. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because Paul would write that if Christ had not risen from the dead, then our hope is in vain. I think that we ought to spend more than just Good Friday preaching about Jesus being on the cross. Why? Because it's the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
That's the gospel. We ought to, we ought to preach more about, about Jesus coming into this world than just on Christmas. We ought to teach about Thanksgiving more than just in the fall season because it's trendy, especially now on social media. Well, it's Thanksgiving time, so let me get on there and let me make my complimentary post for today. Day, day 28, why I'm thankful. But you grumble, complain the other 11 months out of the year. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. And if you do that, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying be thankful for the rest of the year too. And the rest of the day, yes, amen. Praise the Lord. I, you, I, I felt that one, amen. Be thankful the rest of the day. Because it is the attitude of gratitude that unlocks the blessings of God. And finally, let me just say this. Nothing makes me want to bless my babies more than when they are thankful for what I've already done for them. When I do something for them and they look at me and they say, Daddy, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. that you didn't have to, Daddy, but thank you. You know what that makes me want to do, honestly, Pastor? That makes me want to empty out my wallet and go, Here, what else, what else you want? What else you want? I'm loving this. You know, it, reminded me, it kind of reminds me of of when Melody was helping me on an order and we got to the house and delivered it and she was such a trooper through all this because it was, it was rough. I'm telling you, this, this order was rough. And she, the lady that was there at the house gave us, she had already tipped on the order, but she decided she wanted to give a little extra once we got there. So she handed me a $10 bill. So I just handed it to Melody and I said, here you go, Melody. This is for you. And we get in the car and we're driving down the road and I look at her and I say, I appreciate how helpful you were today. And without missing a beat, she just looks at me and she goes, well, Daddy, I'm appreciative of that $10 you gave me. <laughs> but nothing makes me want to bless my babies more than when they're thankful. And I want to tell you, when we have that attitude towards God, and we say, God, when you get up in the morning, you ought to lift your hands up. You know, we've heard it before. I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading it and studying his life. Smith Wigglesworth, every morning when he got up, he'd spend the first 15 minutes dancing before the Lord. And just say, God, I just want to thank you. My mom used to sing a song for many years. There wasn't a day that went by growing up in that house that when she got up every morning, she would walk through the house and she would, she would sing some version. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but she'd said, she said, she would say, You woke me up this morning. And started me on my way. You didn't have to do it. But you did. And she would say. And the Lord. And, say, and she'd throw in some tongues. And usually it wasn't that quiet. Usually you know about 6 o'clock in the morning. You know well, I'm, Especially on a Saturday morning. When I'm still wanting to sleep in. And I hear her go. Woo! You know. And I'm like mom can we just give it a rest. One day. God knows you're thankful. But every morning, you woke me up this morning and started me on my way. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And she'd say, Lord, I just want to be thankful. 
And I want to be thankful tonight. Amen. Can we stand all over this house? We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.